Welcome, everybody, to the day after July 4th. It's a Monday. Really, it's like January 27th for these people. Yeah. If not later, depending on when you are tuning in to this lovely podcast. Yes, of 2021, because we're all time travelers here. Wouldn't they be 2022? Not if they're time travelers. That's exactly my point. Anyway, well, it's at I, least 2022 when they're listening because she, if they're time travelers, you can't go back and listen to uh, it if it's on the internet. I use the stones to destroy the stones. Anyway, so how the force works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I am your fellow Sid Lord Ty, and with me as every day. That that still doesn't make sense. Here with me today as Dingleberry, as always. As, I'm Kaylee. Yeah, with the loving wife, the backbone of this podcast, who happens to be going super hard in the paint as of recently. What does for, that mean? For no apparent reason. Like, so when we started this podcast, I'd take like all the deep dive notes and she would do like the flashback and then... The past two, she's been like, I want to do it because I want it to be really intricate. And that's what she's done. Like, I did my notes first. I was like, okay, we're going to go back now. I did my notes first, and she was like, I don't like how you took notes. I'm going to redo them. It wasn't that. Okay, so (laughs) you were like, there's not a lot in this chapter. And I was like, I took that as a challenge. I was like, bet. And um, I broke it down (laughs) into multiple different things and have... I have at least a little bit of something for every single thing I broke down. Even down, I even have a little section for new food and drink. See, what's crazy uh, is like, like what you did was you put like Marlo Santeca, for example, or like Elzar Man, um, and you wrote down a description of how this chapter describes him. And well, from, for, something that we learn about Elzar Man in this chapter. Okay, that's perfectly fine. My thoughts about Elzar Man, I couldn't put on paper. It'd be best suited for like me being in the moment, like as we're talking about it. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, that's fine and dandy. I just felt like putting mine down on um. Anywho, document. I was gonna say paper. But. Anywho, let's fast forward. You hold on. I that opened was up me fast browser. I didn't mean to. Yes. What are we? We are a podcast, um, a Star Wars podcast. So it happens to be a very niche Star Wars podcast where we talk about books and not just books. We talk about books chapter by chapter. Name another podcast that's doing that, baby. I'll wait. Oh, what is that? That's right. So not only, <laughs> not only do we break down books chapter by chapter, we also do, um, Comic, comic run. book runs by issues. We do series. By episode. And movies. Well, you just get us talking about the movie. Mm, look at us. We're and a couple then, of Anne Franks. What? I'm going to say a couple of Helen Kellers. Never mind. What? <laughs> um, Why are they then, always women? And then who, also. Who, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> who are the deaf man? men? Let's, let's be fair here. Stevie Wonder. Look at us, a couple of Stevie Wonders. He was blind. Yeah, Helen Keller was both. 
Anne, Anne Frank then, wasn't either then, of them. Why know, did I say okay, Anne Frank? Stop, I don't. <laughs> anyway, continuing. I don't know. Continuing. Um, and then we also have uh, video games, which we're still trying to figure that one out. Which yeah. you know, it doesn't really matter because we won't get to a video video game for like. 27 years see i imagine that six months from now i'll be able to quit my job because this is just launching into the stratosphere and because of that i'll be able to get like game recording equipment and all day all i'll have to do is record my playthrough of jedi fallen order on grandmaster and ignore my son for a total of 72 hours and put that walkthrough on youtube for y'all so we don't have to do an episode of it Wow. Okay. Yep. So you can follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Wayfinder Pod. If you don't know, TikTok is TikTok. Ricky Ticky Talk. Ricky Ticky Tabby. No, Ricky Ticky Talk. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jabawanawunga. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Lady Shaw. I still feel like you gotta like change I... it to your personality. Ooh. She's a late dark lady of the Sith. You don't think I'm dark on the dark side? No. Is there a side for like pestering? <laughs> I'm not well gonna comment. <laughs> Everything that went through my mind was really dark and uh, not appropriate. I have for- our negative thoughts. So yeah, follow us on TikTok or follow me on TikTok. Kaylee doesn't do TikTok. Um, she'll read TikToks. Yes, read TikTok. <laughs> if you want, I mean, sometimes I read the captions because my son's being too loud. Um, okay, let's sorry. If you want to leave a donation, there will be a link for you to do so in the description. Uh, buy our merch. Um, what else? What else are we doing? YouTube. Um, watch the YouTubes <laughs> so I can get sponsors. Kindly appreciated. I work very hard. That made me think of, and you you've probably never seen this movie, but it was um, it was called Another Cinderella Story. It starred Selena Gomez and her two evil stepsisters. This was like just like a high school time, like about the same time we were in high school, and the stepsisters were like trying to get payback, and one of them called the operator, you know, back when people still called the operator. And it was like, hello, can you please connect me to the YouTube? Because she wanted to post a video on YouTube. Another Uh, reason why you should censor the content you show your kids. It might be detrimental to them. The official artisan of uh, our podcast is Why Not Stuff and Us. You can follow, um, I don't know why. Like, I can't, I can't. Like, Gods has done some really good art, and then, like, we have done some stuff, and I'm just like, wait a second, have we been doing stuff? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. Um, Augusto Denise, Fiverr, do it. He's cool. Um, he, he created our audio, if you couldn't figure that out from yes. that mess of a sentence. Yep, so with that being said, welcome to the High Republic. Centuries before the rise of the Empire, prosperity, pioneering, and adventure marked the era of the High Republic. Chapter 23, Mid-Rim, Naboo. Naboo! We start off on page 175, and it carries us all the way down to page 184, and the very first words are, Avar Chris leaned on the ornate 
carved stone railing and looked out across a lake to a small forested island rising to a low peak in its center. That was more than a few words. Yep. That was a full <laughs> sentence. So, take us back to the flashback. To the so, flashback. flashback. The last time we saw our... Sar? Sar? Saw. Saw. Yeah. Nice. I was, Deception. I was looking at Elzar when I said saw and then... Okay. So, the last... Would know the I'm going to throw my phone. Lies. Deceptions. Okay, go ahead. The last time. Have you convinced to kill There's so much left of me. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Love you. The last time that we saw Elzar and Avar, okay, was chapter 20. So not too long ago. Um... We were introduced to Elzar Man in Chapter 20, and also, um, I mean, not really introduced, but we were introduced to him and Avar's, quote, relationship, if that's what you want to call it. Um, The relationship with a lack of attachment, lol. Anyway, Avar and Elzar were on their way to Naboo to talk to the Santeca clan. and droids were putting back together pieces of legacy run to determine how much could still possibly emerge from hyperspace. And they're going to go talk to the Santecas about hyperspace. Um, the Santecas are the most knowledgeable on the topic of hyperspace. A.K.A. Lore Santeca who gave Poe Dameron the missing piece to the... Excuse me, it's been a long day, um, long weekend. Missing piece to the map that leads to Luke Skywalker. And the very first words of the sequel trilogy are attributed to a Santeca. This will begin to make things right. Interesting. There's so much that goes from this book into the entire Star Wars universe. So yes, so this chapter really opens up with... Avar, Chris, um, really bringing in nature, and Elzar saying something obscure. Very Kino. Very what? Very Kino. It's the name of the island. It's an artist's retreat, a place for creative outcasts to live together and think deep thoughts. Now, if you go in... um, There's a poet. Yes, if you go and uh, look at my notes, I have a few things about... Um, this page. Okay, so very Kino. I'll just kind of go into what it was. Very Kino is an island directly across the lake from the Santeca house. Um, it is an artist retreat for people to think deep thoughts. It is also where geniuses would create work that would never be seen elsewhere. Now there is a man that is mentioned at the bottom of one seventy-five. Omar Barenko. Omar Barenko. Now, Omar Barenko is mentioned in Legends. So in Legends, he is mysteriously kidnapped from the same place where Anakin and Padme had their wedding. He was just some random dude. He was. A, he was a poet. He was just a very notorious poet. And that is all that was really so known about him in Legends. basically happenstance. So, like, um, the family, I think this is the right one. The first battle of Antietam, the, the only um, one of the... One of the families who lived on Antietam, their house got blown apart. And they were like, we're moving away from here. And 
the next place they happened to move away from the war would have been Appomattox Courthouse. Oh, you're talking about the Civil War. Yes. So, oh, okay. happenstance, just like that. Yeah, something okay. like that. I don't know. It's probably not Antio. It, it, it is the me. first mention of him in canon, so I'm unsure. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, Claudia Gray says, Into the Dark, uh, there's a little bit of truth in Legends. Ooh, dun dun dun. Dun dun meta Metatextual. It's my birthday. Um, continuing that theme. So, yeah, Omar Barenko. Um, what we do have here is like a nice little, um, how do I put this? Interaction? Yeah, interaction between Avar and Elzar. And it's, and it's basically like Elzar getting as close to Avar as humanly possible without revealing too much, really. You know, he's like, you know, when we're old, when we're old. The uh, I'll remember this place so we can go here and spend out the last remainder of our days, you know. Maybe hmm. uh, uh, figure out how to catfish with the force. Cat catch fish, not catfish. Well, he's catfishing Avar, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're not really catfishing. Catfishing? <laughs> what is catfishing? No, one of them's <laughs> pitching and one of them's catching. Oh uh, my gosh. <laughs> And uh, Elzar has a lovely little drink in his hand. Yeah, what? Uh, where was it? What's the name of it? I have, the, I have it, I have it on the under food and drink on my notes. It is oh called my God. the Atar of Spin Silk. It is a green spiced liquor. Green spiced liquor. Yep. And like um, Elzar, it no, it's not like absinthe. Oh. How do you know I was going to say absinthe? Because that is the only green um, liquor. Is it even considered liquor or is it considered death? I don't know. It's poison. That's what it is. Um, This interaction between Avar and Elzar is very interesting because it it honestly shows a lot about each character. um, Because Elzar, he's kind of like a free-flowing, like go-with-the-flow kind of person. And Avar is like... Let's get to it. Let's do our job. Elzar is, he's very antsy um, with everything. And he's always looking towards the future. Okay. As as you're saying here. And then Avar is more composed. Like, she's in the moment. She's not really in the moment. She's thinking multiple steps ahead. I would, I would, I would take it. Yes, but what I'm saying is, is that... She is more focused on the task at hand. Yes. And okay. Elzar, you know, he's more um he he doesn't let the moment slip away from him, but there is like a quiet contemplation of what could be later in his life. Right. Uh but what I mean is really this interaction with them and the drink. She's kinda like, Yes, that's delicious, but we're here to do a job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It's like, um, like from my perspective, it's like passions at hand. It's, it's what Elzar kind of wants, and this drink kind of symbolizes that. It's like he wants something more, but he's not willing to say even more, more. <laughs> um, like even in the, um, it reminds me of Loki a bit, but not as far like the show, mm-hmm. where it's like Loki is trying to tell. Sylvie, that he loves her, but 
he can't get the words out. It's not that explicit, but Elzar does like recognize that they do have a history together and he really wants that. And I guess it is like symbolic in this small drink and Avar is always kind of like, yes, yes, this is a thing. However, but we can't. Yeah. Yeah. So um, from from that point on, we are introduced to Masters Marlo and Velas, a.k.a. the Santeca. San, uh, Marlo Santeca is the descendant. Scion, yes. And, the scion of the Santecas. And Velas is the husband. Yes. And this is our first uh, gay couple in the High Republic, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, we're aware of. Yes, I assume there will be many going forward now. There are several references and I think the Rising Storm, if I'm remembering correctly, and Race to Crash Point Tower. Okay. Definitely Race to Crash Point Tower. So. Okay. Um, the thing about this Santec is, uh, as you go towards the bottom of 176, it goes into describing their house here on the Naboo Lake Country um, of how there was a lot of wealth on display. Uh, but, you know, obviously just owning a residence in the lake country is only for like the extremely rich in the galaxy apparently i'm a so it's like naboo and alderaan are like the rich places but the the insane about like okay let's compare like um naboo and alderaan (laughs) to like canto bite for example naboo and alderaan even though they're extremely wealthy planets they're not they're like the classy subtle Yes, they're classy and they're not snotty. Right, and Cantabite are the ones who basically have made their money fat. They're like the the new rich. Yes. Naboo and Alderaan are like the old rich, and then these are like the new rich. And like something with like uh, like Queen's Peril with Padme, her handmaidens come from a little bit of everywhere. The reason that she selected the handmaidens she has is because they're good at a specific test. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when Padme does her thing... She's always more so fascinated about bringing new cultures into Naboo and sharing Naboo's culture with other planets. And it's not like this facetious, well, we're better than you. It's like, no, there's always something missing and we always have something to benefit mm-hmm. from. So like, even though like I highlighted, um, but of care and taste. So it's like, yes, it's elegant, but it's of great care. It's because that they respect yeah, culture. They're, they're not being pretentious yeah. of anything. Yeah. Um, they, it says the owners of this home were not trying to overawe, basically. Yes. So. Every choice was made with an eye towards simplicity and integration with the natural environment. So it's it's respecting nature, but it's also respecting the, um, the, the guest's eyes, if you will. Mm-hmm. So if a guest comes in, it's not overbearing or contradicting what they already see. It's, it's very pleasing and calming. Yes. And the funny thing about calming is actually going into my next point, which is the next thing highlighted that I have on 177. It is a milliflower. Milliflower. Okay. Now, milliflowers, this is the first mention of it in canon, but in legends, a milliflower is typically found on Naboo, okay? But it has this aroma that causes oxygen-breathing species to feel at ease. So it's kind of like... uh, like a lavender like tea tree or yeah it, it's just a yeah. calming relaxing type fragr- fragrance 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 
It says their fragrance saturated Avar senses and the song of the force swelled with the beauty of all of it. Yeah. So they are bringing little bitty tiny tidbits of legends in and I like Oh that. yeah. Well, the Rising Storm, like I've I've taken notes through four chapters now. There is a lot of legends stuff. And Kevin Scott's a huge fan of legend stuff. So There you go. Yeah. Um ba 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 ba. Also, um they are continuing um hold on let me read what you have highlighted here it, it just goes towards avar's personality oh uh, about her wanting to possibly considering spending time with those our man in the future yeah like she she wants to do it but she like so, we've said she is very we have a job to do no we can't do this she's right very now. in control Yes, very and, much so. And then after this description, there is something we do learn that there has been another emergence in the ring light system, and several thousand people had died. Now, the ring light system, um, this is the first mention ever, canon, legends, all of it. Um, and all we know is that because of these emergences, um, there were additional hyperspace closures um but there's no other information other than that it is located on the outer rim but no coordinates have no idea what it's near i'd also like to point out that like senator nor just kind of uh apparently shut the hell up like he's not protesting any of this crap because he knows well shit well you know we do find out what his first name is in this chapter oh nor yeah his name is Izet. Oh, God. I-Z-Z-E-T. And it's funny because Marlo and Velas later on in this chapter are like, yeah, anything for a Zet. He's an old friend of ours. So I'm like, hmm. I just think it's, I think it's adorable when they have like gay characters being like, oh my God, I love him. (laughs) Like, I will do anything for him. It's like, it's so adorable. Um, Let's see. So it, it does go on to um, compare and explain the differences between Velos and Maro. So, for example, it says Velos's face looked like looked chopped from granite. So, does hang on? Does this mean that he's not attractive looking? See that chopped from granite? Yeah, it looks like his face has been beaten and battered to me. Or since it's granite, does that mean it's, it's perfection? I don't know. See, because you say chopped from granite, and I was like, holy crap, so that's an ugly face, but it's high price. So does that mean he's had Botox? I don't know. Um, while Marlowe's features were softer, that's uh, they did seem pair, though, and like their home, everything about them radiated wealth and comfort and ease. So maybe it was like, if it's chopped from granite, maybe originally it looked good and then he had something done i don't know yes (laughs) but she does avar does seem to ponder the santecas because hyperspace isn't necessarily an easy thing to get into and it's not necessarily an easy thing to stay into so like people who were good at hyperspace made money those who weren't got lost forever um, so it says here, hyperspace prospecting was dangerous. Many who tried it ended up lost forever, adrift in nothingness, no way to get home. The Santecas seemed to have a knack for it, though, and consistently found the shortest, fastest ways to get from here and there in the galaxy. <coughs> Foreshadowing. 
Foreshadowing. For the next chapter. Oh, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also what I have highlighted in pink <sighs> at the end of that. Um, it is foreshadowing for how exactly they have basically made their wealth see i'm still curious about the paths because you know it's even like continuously mentioned in this book and continuously mentioned in the rising storm and it says new paths and i'm i don't know what that means like it's obviously not new hyperspace routes but are but are they paths around things like it's my understanding I get that, that it's very a path intricate. and a, and hyperspace are pretty much the same thing. And if we want to go into what it states hyperspace is already, we can. You can. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, gosh, it's a little bit ways. Okay, so it's on 180, what we have highlighted in yellow and purple. So, uh, Velis says, I'm sure both of you know this, but the nature of hyperspace means that there is never any reason to maneuver at all. It's empty. There's nothing to hit. Routes are precisely calculated to ensure collisions like this are impossible. And then Velis continues with the talk about hyperspace on 182. Okay. He says, hyperspace is not like real space. Once a ship or anything else enters it, there's no way to encounter anything. You're in a bubble of space-time that nothing else can interact with because each lane is, as far as we can tell, its own distinct plane of existence. So what does that even mean, So is that, to me, that's like a wormhole. Yeah, like a wormhole or like, um, it has to be a wormhole because they keep saying like hyperspace lanes, but that implies to me that it's it's navigated, it's regulated, which we have seen. It's like a... um, uh, like a highway. Yes, a highway that's in a vacuum. Yeah. That nobody can hit you. So nobody can slam on their brakes and you can't rear into them. Instead, you're in this weird vacuum where you're moving relative to your own speed and nothing else is around you. It's like nothing else exists, which doesn't make sense to me. That's that's well, such then, a fascinating... Well, then you get into paths, you know, hyperspace and paths. Are they... The same thing? Are they different? Well, I don't know. I can't. I tried Googling it, but my Wi-Fi is out. Oh. I can't get Wi-Fi. But like, because the paths come from a specific person who we will see in the next chapter. Yes, and that. But it's my understanding that these hyperspace lanes also came from the same person. Well, and then it gets into a conversation. So, so can we say who the person is? Or? Yeah. So okay, Mary Santeca. Mari. Mari, Mary, Mari, Mari Santeca, and she's she's somewhat force sensitive. It seems it's implied. Who knows? But something happened to her to make her the way she is. Yes, and here's the thing. Okay, I was just reading. Well, I've already finished uh, Chis uh, Chis Ascendancy. Um, Thrawn Ascendancy. Uh, Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, and I'm almost done with the Greater Good. And them to travel through the unknown regions in hyperspace, what they use is called a Skywalker. And a Skywalker is a young child, a young child who uses the force to navigate them through hyperspace. Um, When they reach a certain age, they lose their aptitude with the force. And that's that they become mentors for these younger Skywalkers as they come in, because they're the only ones who know what it's like and what they've been through but it still has me thinking like navigating through hyperspace using a force sensitive or somebody 
that's apt enough with the fours. But then, like, what are then what? Is, what are the paths? What is hyperspace? Is is the path a, a way around the vacuum? But why, or is it a faster way through the vacuum that? Yeah, she has managed to come up with by going through herself, and which is why um, the Chiss use Skywalkers. So it's like. You know, funny story, Thrawn runs into Anakin Skywalker, and he's like, this is Anakin Skywalker, and he's like, oh, that is an odd coincidence. What? Yeah. Thrawn runs into Anakin Skywalker. When? Um, during, uh, Chaos Rising. Like, as Anakin Skywalker? Yeah. Like, as little Anakin Skywalker? No, um, those Thrawn books take a place in 19 BBY. So they take place right before Revenge of the Sith. Literally uh, right before. Okay. So, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but I mean, this is, this is the first time we've actually gotten any description about what hyperspace is. Which is insane because we talked about in chapter three or four or five about, uh, or maybe it's two with Mervyn Getter. I think it's two with Mervyn Getter. That hyperspace is regulated. Obviously, well, they shut the, down the hyperspace lines. Yeah, the comings and going of hyperspace. Yes. Not the lanes itself. Yes, right? but wouldn't they... The hyperspace... So, like, in, in all of Star Wars, I think they've talked about, like, the paths or the hyperspace lanes. Like, for example, I think in the Test of Courage, they're having this banquet, and they're like, well, hyperspace was much weirder um, before we had hyperspace mapped out. So... Hyperspace has always been these lanes, my assumption, and then she shut down the lane so nobody could travel hyperspace. It's like shutting down the highway down the road. But, like, if you shut it down, what does that mean? Do you, does that mean that there's a blockade where the entrance and exit points of the hyperspace lanes are? What What is closing a mean? I don't know. My <laughs> assumption is that you just can't use them. But then... But who's... Who's technically regulating but, it? But nobody's going to enforce it. Unless, I don't know. That's the thing. You know? I, I don't know. I mean, do they put the Republic Defense Coalition to blockade this certain entrance and exit points? Wouldn't that be a lot of places to blockade? See, and they just wouldn't do that. They would just, like, I, I can understand ships like the Legacy Run, like, uh, since they're contracted out, they would have to stop operating you know what i mean okay but what do you do about smugglers well the smugglers don't do anything anyway it's all illegal it doesn't matter what are you going to do about the nihil are they going to stop going at light speed no they're going faster than light speed which yeah it's just the thing like what is the paths (laughs) what is hyperspace lane if if so for example where was that definition 182 um the last one about real space yeah, I'll uh, read it again. Hyperspace is not like real space. Real space being an open vacuum. Right. Once a ship or anything else enters it, that's me putting my hand entering, fisting, um, enters it, there's no way to encounter everything. You're in a bubble of space-time that, not, well, light speed is like a space-time continuum, but black holes are like a space-time continuum. Okay, but then we also have... This is Star Trek shit. Okay, but then we also have um, in the animated series Rebels, when they 
quote, go through hyperspace from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere with the Lothwolves. Yeah. It's, they're technically going into hyperspace if this is the description of it. You're in a bubble of space-time. Yeah. Well, then the world between worlds could be considered space-time. But then we also have the Purgles who can... Legitimately the- navigate it. Based on their own natural inclination. Yeah, so are they jumping through wormholes on their own accord? Are they able to jump through these? This is... Um... So so it says here, <laughs> you're in a bubble of space-time that nothing else can interact with because each lane is, as far as we can tell, its own distinct plane of existence. So, for example, plane of existence, like first dimension, second dimension, third dimension. So are they going through different dimensions? Yes, interstellar love. So, like, there's there's so much we don't know about hyperspace. We don't know shit about the unknown regions. I mean, to be honest, we know shit about wayfinders, Jedi compasses, um, skywalkers. No idea. Like... And it's like it's funny because I read this, and it's it, it's like um like uh immediately afterwards it says Avar knew she would remember those words every time she traveled in hyperspace for the rest of her life. A jump to light speed had become a routine event, but each time it happened was a step away from everything familiar, a journey into a new universe, some new realm. So but I that's guess- exactly what it is. Like you're. <laughs> You're going in your new into a new dimension. I mean, so does that mean, say all over the galaxy, there's like, I don't like this. Okay, I'm <laughs> I don't sorry. like where okay. this is going. So <laughs> we have the whole galaxy, which is one plane of existence. Yeah. Okay. So say at the exact same time in the whole galaxy, there are, we'll say two thousand. We'll be keep it somewhat low. There are two thousand different ships going into hyperspace. Does that mean that there is the normal plane of existence and then 2,000 other planes of existence? No, see... Or are they going into a similar plane of existence? here's the way they're describing light space to me. Light space isn't a highway. It's not something that's... It's something that's regulated when it comes to planets because they jump into a planet's atmosphere and they're like, oh, shit, we got a ping obviously but the way they're describing it is if you take a piece of paper and fold it in half and say we want to go to Alderaan to Kashyyyk or um, Coruscant to Kashyyyk you would fold the paper in half and put a pin through it so you're folding the plane of existence yes but if you have okay so um, let me think Um, I'm trying to actually like think of the universe map so obviously we have Coruscant in the core worlds, but yep. there's part of the core world like region that you can't go into because it's a giant space nebula. Yeah, so that's that's like the core core. Yes. Yeah. But if you're looking at a map, the mass collection of stars is like on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Coruscant is on the right hand side of the core world. But the planet, what was the planet that Luke went to um, for Asana? Oh, um, Octo. Octo. Octo is on the far left. By on, the unknown regions. In the unknown regions on the left side of the core yeah. world. Okay. So you would have to, if you're trying to go from Coruscant to not to, you have you can't fold a piece of paper and go in 
between. You have to go to another location in the galaxy and then Un- that way. Unless the way they're describing it is if you're creating your own place of existence, it doesn't matter about the nebula because you would poof and wind up on but the other side of the nebula. we know for a fact in Star Wars that's not the case. You have to go around the nebula. You can't go through it. But it's But it's weird, but they're describing this as for lack of a better word, an emergence. Like they're describing it as something that's popping here or setting coordinates for here and then it's disappearing and arriving. Like a flash in the pan. Well, yes, but there's still a specific hyperspace, quote, lane you have to go in for each different planet. (sighs) But see, that's just, yeah, that doesn't make... uh, I, I love that we just had a passionate conversation, but there are answers. So let me go to the Star Wars fandom page and look at Hyperspace routes, the definition. Hyperspace routes, also called, uh, no, hyperspace. That's what I want, not hyperspace lane. My Wi-Fi shitted out. Because you closed the door. Um, Please excuse my cat. Hyperspace. Hyperspace is an alternate dimension that could only be reached by traveling faster than light speed. So it's literally like... So you're in your own plane of existence. But you can be in hyperspace for hours. Yeah. So you're in your own plane of existence only by reaching the speed of light. So by reaching, you poof. So you're basically, you're going into a new dimension every time. Yes. So that goes back to my question. Yes, okay. So So, hyperspace routes. Okay. Were established paths... Through hyperspace, which linked major worlds and galaxies, just like roads linked to major cities and populated planets. Those routes were regarded safe as allowing starships to travel without colliding with the celestial body in real space. Chain of important star systems formed runs, which were vital navigational routes for trade and transit. Such routes could cross multiple sectors. Okay, so... Again, let me go back to my question. Okay. If if the entire galaxy is on one plane of existence. Okay. And there are 2,000 ships going through hyperspace throughout the entire galaxy at the exact same time. Are there an additional 2,000 dimensions on top of the plane of existence that we already have? See, I don't think so. I just think that they are navigating through that one plane of dimension using a route, but... They can't run into each other, which that that's always been my question, because because imagine if like Din Djarin and Han Solo were going the same hyperspace route at light speed. What if if their coordinates were exactly the same? How would they not hit each other? That's because technically they're not there. They're in like a bubble. That's not in so r- when, real time or so when a, a physical fleet world. is, you know, going all they're all like jump to hyperspace they're all technically while they're jumping to hyperspace not at the same spot yeah okay but then if we go back to rebels when the empire had um a device that could pull you out of hyperspace Uh uh-huh what does that mean it means that they could probably track the frequencies no different than um how does a planet know if a ship has jumped out of hyperspace in their system. Probably. <sighs> okay. That so, is yeah. bad. so basically how this entire conversation is going is they're like, listen, these things have happened. Stellan and Avar. 
And the Santecas are like, listen, we'll donate some resources to you. We'll, um, we understand that Kavantar is like building some droid units. We have some droids who have uh, better processors or whatever, I think, right? Um, I'm not looking at the page because I don't remember what. Uh, it's on one algorithms. Yeah. Yeah, we have hyperspace hyperlane specialists. So they have people. Yes, and he's like, uh, Avar says, "Thank you, but that's not why we came. We actually came because we wanted to know about the legacy run incident." They get the lowdown, and they basically say, I'm sure you know, you've already read this, but I'll reiterate. I'm sure you both know this, but the nature of hyperspace means that there's never any reason to maneuver at all. It's empty. There's nothing to hit. Routes are precisely calculated to ensure collisions like this are impossible, which makes sense to us because we know that they they were pulled out of hyperspace, and they tried moving the legacy run, and that's why it was tore apart. They don't know this. So precise calculations in their own little space vacuum. And Elzar says, we know that. Everyone knows that. But something happened out there and people continue to die and suffer across the outer rim. Pretending it's impossible just waste time. And so they go through the checklist, which is, listen, strange things happen. Um, Maybe it was sabotage. Maybe psychologically, uh, um, maybe psychologically, Hedda Cassett just lost it. Maybe the ship malfunctioned. And they're basically going through this entire checklist to um, until up until the point that Elzar gets pissed off, but holds his composure. It says, um, and we actually had this conversation before, Elzar gets frustrated and he's like, I'm about to use the Jedi mind trick. And I call it the mind trick, not the mind touch, which is a juxtaposition to Lone Great Storm. So you can see how the two Jedi's are different. Well, and it's it's funny because we have talked in previous episodes when we first saw saw Elzar. I thought that him and Anakin would have been like great yeah. friends uh, because of certain things that he did and the way he views the Force uh, was very similar to. Anakin. Yes, and uh, the, I mean, in the Rising Storm, the juxtaposition you're going to see is Elzar as Anakin and, and Stellan Geos as Obi-Wan, and it's a historical juxtaposition to those two characters to see how these two time periods handle people like that. Um, plot twist, the High Republic handles it better, but do you <laughs> remember um, what we said about the mind touch as opposed to the mind trick, because I do. I said that the mind touch implied compassion over force. And mind trick was the manipulation of somebody? Was a manipulation of somebody. But it either that in the or in the rhetoric, but Loden Greatstorm is a very compassionate individual. So him calling it a mind touch makes sense, right? Elzar man calling it a uh, um, mind trick. A mind trick is manipulative because if you look at the context of this the scene he's doing it to force somebody to give him something right and if you look at the very last paragraph on 181 um it says and this is avar thinking she says the mind touch was a tool of the light avar knew but she preferred indirect approaches to such a focused intervention in another person's path so it's really depending on how you look at it and 
kind of your um, perception perception or maybe innocence of said perception because Avar, you know, we've said it's kind of like a messianic yeah. figure, but she's also um, very innocent yeah. type. And, and that shows here where she thinks of it as a mind touch and it being a tool of the light. It's a tool the force gives you. Whereas Elzar's very straightforward as to and very honest with himself. Yeah. He's not so innocent and realizes exactly what it is and it's a tool to get what you want. What you want. And he he he's the type of guy who likes to think that, listen, we're here for the light, Jedi are the good guys, but perhaps maybe their rhetoric is like too politicized, or maybe it's too um, stupid, or maybe it's all bullshit and like Or maybe I, they're hiding something like he thinks they are. Yeah, and I'm completely open and honest. Why? Because I'm more altruistic than most Jedi. Me wanting to use all of my Force abilities means that I'm in tune with the Force. It means that I'm more compassionate about people. You know, so from his point of view, like he's doing nothing wrong. But here in the light of... uh, (laughs) In the light of the Jedi? (laughs) In the light of Avar being here, we're able to see that calm juxtaposition or subtle juxtaposition where... um, Elzar man is is a kind of a douche and Avar's like, no, that's not what we do. And he here. kinda wants to, you know, prove to her, you know, and he's trying to also simultaneously prove to everybody else that he is capable of being a master and doing Yeah. It's uh, outward, it's in, not inward. Right. And he's also really good at he's also really good at seeing deception through or looking through people and he knows when people are lying. And it really pisses him off. So, and then it goes more into if we go into one eighty two, the whole thing about hyperspace not, is not like real space. And Elzar again is like, they're they're not telling us everything. Yeah. And you know, obviously, we know since we've read the book that yeah. they're they're not telling everything because they didn't once ever, honestly, in the entire book ever mention Mari Santeca to yeah. anybody. And Avar is also not concerned with them lying. She's just concerned with finding out whatever she can to help the situation. Yeah, because like if if to Avar if one path does not reveal itself. Another one when one door closes another one opens. Yes, yes. She she firmly believes that the force will guide her and she'll be able to find the answers because them lying to her doesn't change anything about the situation because the situation is the same. Mm-hmm. For Elzar, he sees it the opposite. It's like, okay, they lied to us. They could have prevented all of this. When in reality, they couldn't have. But he feels that way. Yes, because he's not getting all of the truth. Because imagine if they told them about Mary, what would that change? All it would change is them trying to figure out what she knows or trying to find out if she's alive or... Or, or it would simply change how Elzar feels about the situation. Like, yeah, I mean, it would honestly, it would have put them down a different path. Yeah. Granted, I think later on in later books, this is just speculation. Um, if they find out about you know Mari Santeca, are they then going to try to find her from there? Yeah. So. So um, they the Santecas do agree to look at the data. And Avar and Elzar go about their merry way, and here we get. Some. They're 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 finally 
or Elzar is finally able to verbally, yeah. you know, tell Avar, and it's not just their uh, connection through the Force that is very familiar to them uh, speaking here. <laughs> it, it says though a familiar emotion from him. He was always reaching, pushing, so she could feel the pressure, like more, more. So yeah, she could feel the pressure of him. I'm sure it felt like a bloated bubble. But um, Avar does uh, say, uh, I'm sure they were um, hiding something, Elzar. They're business people. We don't know that what they held back is even relevant, which, which it's not. Which it's not, yeah. The Santecas didn't seem malicious. The opposite, really. They were offering to share some of their closely held secrets to help save lives, which is funny because you get that vibe as soon as they're introduced because they're rich. But they're not bombastic. They're not explosive. They're they're like they're very subtle and they're laid back. Yeah, you feel like you're sitting in a garden. Well, well, it feels like you're sitting in a garden, which could be deceptive if we want to go there. Um, but like, and I mean, they did even have milliflowers, which is supposed to ease someone's mind. Yeah. So I mean, but there's nothing there that's like as seductive as a snake. If you will. Um, Thank you, biblical reference. Yes. So, <laughs> again for this book. <laughs> so the Santecas uh, do a little bit of foreshadowing at the bottom of 184, or top of 184. Oh, she yeah. still can't be alive. She'd be beyond agent. Be beyond who, agent. Who, 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 for her sake, by all the gods. By all the gods. Another reference. And it's funny because... So when I was listening to um, the previous chapter, not the previous chapter, when, when did we learn of she? When you remember when we had the conversation of she? No, 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 like originally. Oh, when, when Markion is introduced. Um, yes, it's like the big banquet thing. Yeah, he because said, he was like, if, if they, she. or if they learned about her. Right. Know. And then, you know, it says she here and they, they don't go into who it is. And I'm like, is this going to be the same she? And then the next chapter we find out who she is. And I'm like, this can't be the she. There's a lot of she's in the universe. This can't be the she. Oh, no, it's the she. But it's the she. Yeah. It says here, and where their great wealth had truly come from and the great tragedy at its heart. So blood uh, coined with blood. Yes, they did definitely did not gain their fortune through an honest um, business. Nope, it's paid for and received in blood. No doubt. There. So, um, great chapter again. Um, shout out to Kaylee for doing those uh, in-depth notes. I will get on that next week. I was uh, trying to take the notes for the Rising Storm, so for the YouTube. So For the YouTube. For the YouTube. So let's head on over to our book club. The Sacred Jedi Tech. The Sacred Jedi Tech. Rhythm, have you? Page Turner. They were not. So we have one entry for chapter 23. This comes from Jedi Master Garrick, a.k.a. That Guy Garrick on Twitter. And he said, I love, love, love this chapter. The chemistry between Elzar and Avar is amazing. Their interview with the Santecas was fun to read. It was intriguing and a little... A, a lil. Not a little, but a lil. Sorry. 
English teacher here. Okay. L-I-L. Lil. Yeah, Lil. A Lil romantic. Lil. Just, just poquito. Poquito romantic. Okay. Sorry. Um, he goes on to say. Ew. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Goes on to say, these two work so well together, and it, it has one of my favorite passages. And I quote, it was easy to forget that they were there to continue the investigation into the ongoing galactic emergency. She forced herself to focus. Quiet contemplation could wait for retirement. And for a moment, just one, she let herself consider the idea of spending that time with Elzar Mann, something she would never tell him, and he would never let her hear the end of it. Which is funny, because as soon as they start harassing the Santecas, I bet she's like, oh, nope. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want this. You are so forceful, Elzar. No, but I like it, you are. You're so forceful. Stop being so forceful. Anyway. Let the force guide you. That's not how the force works. (laughs) Um, So you can uh, hop on the Twitter, on the Instagram, and on the TikTok, and follow us at WayfinderPod. And Uh, the Twitter. Did you say Twitter? Yes. Yes. The Twitter and the Instagram and the TikTok? I said that. Oh, okay. We're at 500 followers, so it's my birthday. It's It's really not. It's closer to my birthday. I'm like, I'd like say it, and then you're supposed to echo it, and then you don't. So I don't want it. Let's try that again. It's my birthday. I don't want it to be my birthday. Holy shit. Anyway, um, we are all the Republic. We are all the Republic. Ride the storm.